0: You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported.
1: Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young.
0: And I'm Noel Herhusky-Schneider. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, November 1st, 2023.
1: Later in the program, we have Deep Dive, WFHB and Limestone Post Investigate, where we look into issues regarding health, housing, and the environment that directly impact residents of Monroe County.
0: Up next, we have Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. We turn to host and producer Richard Fish for more.
1: Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket.
2: Here's some brand new information that reveals an Internet risk nobody knew about. It's a little complicated, so here's the bottom line first. When you go to a website and it offers you the opportunity to log in on that website using your existing account on Google or Facebook or Twitter or some other popular service, watch out. Say you're logged in on your Facebook account and you browse to another website and there's a banner or a button to click that says, Log in with Facebook. If you do that, you are using an internet standard called Open Authorization which is often reduced in the way long titles are so often shrunk down to little ones, to OAuth. Researchers at Salt Labs have discovered a number of websites, including popular and much-used ones, like Booking.com, Kayak, Expo, and Grammarly, which have a key flaw in the way they use open authorization, and they say the problem is likely to be found in thousands of other websites, putting billions of Internet users at risk. I know I'm oversimplifying somewhat, but open authorization generates a bit of code, called a token, which is supposed to be unique and secret to identify you and let the website you're joining grab your identity from the social media website. Now, it turns out that if you try to visit a fake website or a dangerous website, one that's controlled by hackers or con artists, Using this log on with another account feature can let the crooks capture that token and use it to pretend to be you on lots of other websites. That would let them take over your account, get all your identity and credentials, including payment information if you've stored your credit card or banking info online. Open Authorization itself is a well-designed and safe service. Google and Facebook and other websites that it can use are also in good shape. The problem is with the websites that use the log in with feature. Many of them have not set it up properly and have flaws in their programming that let the hackers get in where they shouldn't be. If you're creating a website, it's very easy to add the log in with Google or log in with Twitter feature. But you have to know how to configure the programming of your website to do it safely. This is a problem that can be fixed, and probably will be eventually, But each and every website that offers these log in with banners has to find out about the problem to start with and go in and fix it for each different log in button in whatever way works with their programming. It's not a situation where somebody can send out a patch and zap everybody's good again. So if you're running a website, disable those features until you can find out about Salt Lab's discovery and do the necessary fixing. And for the rest of us, when you go to a website and have to log in, just do that yourself in the regular way. Stay safe out there. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs.
1: Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at wfhb.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at wfhb.org. Remember... Swindlers never give a sucker an even break.
0: And now for today's episode of Deep Dive, where we look into the Hoosier National Forest and the Charles C. Deem Wilderness Area.
1: This is Deep Dive, WFHB and Limestone Post Investigate, where we look into issues regarding health, housing, and the environment that directly impact residents of Monroe County. In today's edition, we are looking into the Hoosier National Forest and the Charles C. Deem Wilderness Area within it. This week, we look into how the Deem Wilderness was established in light of recent legislation introduced by Senator Mike Braun, which would expand the boundaries of the wilderness area.
0: Nestled in the northern edge of the Hoosier National Forest sits nearly 12,953 acres of land called the Charles C. Deem Wilderness Area. In 1982, the U.S. Congress designated it as Wilderness, protecting the area from significant human influence, preserving its natural condition. The Deem is the only permanently protected wilderness in the state of Indiana.
1: You may have visited this wilderness area while going to the picturesque Hickory Ridge Fire Tower. Or maybe you have heard about it and haven't made it over to see it yet. We went to check it out for ourselves.
0: We're standing in the wilderness near the Hickory Ridge Fire Tower, walking along the gravel path in the thick forest. We can hear the sound of leaves crunching beneath our feet.
1: There's hardly any audible sounds of humanity, with the exception of an airplane or two. We can hear birds chirping and squirrels shuffling in the distance.
0: We reach the fire tower and climb up its moderately rickety metal steps. As we breach the treetops, the wind picks up, and we can start to see the gorgeous view. From the cab atop the tower, we are surprised to see just how far the forest reaches.
1: The autumnal reds, browns, greens, and yellows cover the hills and ravines And transport us to a place that feels much farther away than 40 minutes outside of Bloomington.
0: We arrived just before sunset and got to see the view with an additional hue of golds and oranges painting the trees.
1: We talked to fellow onlookers and learned that flying squirrels roost in the roof of the tower and jump down after it gets dark.
0: We realized there is more beauty in Indiana than we had previously realized.
1: Descending the staircase at Hickory Ridge Fire Tower, we ran into Kent Wilson and Teresa Harley Wilson, who were about to embark on a backpacking trip to memorialize the passing of a friend.
0: Kent said he was around when they established the land as a wilderness area.
2: My wife here, Teresa and I, were part of the Sierra Club. She came to Bloomington, she was an arts professional, but one of the cool things she did was she wanted to do outdoors hiking. Yeah. Well, all the people up say is, if you want to see something cool in outdoors, just go to Brown County. Yeah. <laughs> go to Brown County. Have you been Well, she found Brown County and stuff like that. But then she moved to Bloomington and she got a job and she met me and I said, oh, and she showed up at the Bloomington Sierra Club at the, uh, the uh, down uh, in the library.
0: The Wilsons met Jeff Stant at the Sierra Club meeting Kent just referenced.
2: Jeff, went to Washington, D.C. and lobbied hard to get this.
0: WFHB News spoke with Indiana Forest Alliance Executive Director Jeff Stant to learn more about how the Charles-Deem Wilderness came to be. Stant was actively involved in the Bloomington Sierra Club as the director of the Salt Creek Coalition, where he helped advocate for the establishment of the Charles-Deem C. Deem Wilderness area.
3: Well, I was very actively involved in the, in the effort that, that led to the establishment of the Deem Wilderness. That's fair to say. Uh, the... It was the Bloomington Sierra Club. I became its, cha- its chair, and and we changed the name to the Uplands Group of the Sierra Club at the time. I was also working for the Sierra Club uh, as the director of a group called the Salt Creek Coalition, which was a uh, coalition of the landowners in, that live out in the area where the Dean Wilderness is, the private landowners who live around the, the wilderness area uh, and over in the Nebo Ridge area and and then uh, different conservation groups uh, led by the Sierra Club and and um, we, we organized uh, a, a lot of grassroots support for designating the original Dean wilderness back in the 70s and 80s. we were trying to get an area to the east of it known as nebo Ridge um from 50 years ago, starting forward, in about maybe nine years of that effort, ended up settling for the Dean Wilderness uh, as the compromise of the compromise. At that point, it was a third the size of what we started out trying to save. And uh, today's proposal to expand the Dean Wilderness in f 2990 is is uh, Really trying to go back and save the area that, that uh, we started trying to save 50 years ago when, when the Forest National Forest Supervisor at the time, uh, A. Claude Ferguson, first proposed that Nebo Ridge be one of the first uh, wilderness areas in the eastern United States.
1: Before the land was ever a wilderness area, it was home to indigenous peoples, a few being the Miami, the Delaware, Potawatomi, and Shawnee people. The Native Americans lived here and used this area as early as 12,000 years ago.
0: According to the U.S. Forest Service, the first impact of people on the land may have been setting wildfires to drive prey like musk oxen, mastodons, and giant bison from the forest. The Forest Service says, Although there were seasonal villages and crops grown on small plots of land, humans had little lasting impact on the
1: forest. Colonists from Europe showed up in the area during the late 17th century, and by 1809, Native Americans were forced to move further west.
0: According to the U.S. Forest Service, the land was overfarmed and overtimbered, leaving the already hard to farm ravines infertile. During the Great Depression, President Franklin D. Roosevelt established the Civilian Conservation Corps to create jobs and develop the natural resources of the federal and state lands. To do so, they went about replanting the forest. Because of this, much of the Hoosier National Forest is roughly 80 years old.
1: Stant described what he believes wilderness is, paraphrasing the Wilderness Act of 1964, which created the legal definition of wilderness in the United States.
3: Well, under the Wilderness Act, wilderness is a is a area of of public land that's to remain forever wild. It, it is a an area that is in a natural condition. It doesn't have to be virgin forest, uh, but rather it's land that's returning to the forest condition. And in many cases, it's it's older forest that is is returning to the old growth forest condition which is sort of equivalent to saying it's a virgin forest again. It, it is land that, that the government has to take a hands-off approach to its management. The Forest Service likes to, to manage the national forests under what's called the Multiple Use Sustain Yield Act, which uh, allows them to manage it for timber production, wildlife, recreation, minerals, exploitation, off-road of vehicles, if they so choose, and then they try to, to have a forest management plan that authorizes these various uses in various areas of the forest. The Wilderness Act says these lands are withdrawn from that multiple-use management, and they're just to be used for wilderness recreation and the enjoyment of nature the way it is. And and so it's it's it, it essentially ties the hands of the Forest Service. Uh, so that it can't go in and log and and do prescribed burning throughout these areas. It has to let nature take its course. Now, if a fire breaks out, it can let the fire burn unless the fire threatens public safety or private property. But the fact of the matter is the record shows that that natural fires break out exceedingly rarely in Indiana's hardwood forests. They're a wet forest ecosystem that doesn't burn naturally. Uh, The the vast majority... more than 99.9% of all the forests that are in the U.S. Forest Service's fire database for the Hoosier National Forest uh, that have been started in the last 20 years in the Hoosier National Forest, the vast majority of them were started by people, campers, farmers, you know, that were harvesting adjacent farmland in a dry period. A you know, spark lit up some vegetation. The, the forest actually, in most cases, put the fire out naturally because the the, the kinetics weren't there for the fire to burn once it got into the, the, the forest land. Um, so forests just don't burn naturally here. But if the fire did break out, the Wilderness Act would allow them to let that fire burn, but just make sure they're putting it out if it's if if going near campsites or uh, private property on the boundary of the wilderness. That's what wilderness does. The wilderness condition is land that is wild. What the Wilderness Act does is says, we're going to let it be forever wild for public enjoyment, and that you can't use mechanized or or motorized uh, vehicles in in the area. You have to use, if you're going to maintain the trails, you have to do so with hand equipment or horses, and uh, you can't put new roads through the area. You have to let the area remain just natural forest.
1: According to the National Park Service, Two opposing factions emerged during the environmental movement of the early 20th century, conservationists and preservationists. Conservationists sought the proper use of nature, while preservationists sought protection of nature from use. In Stant's view, the two are intertwined.
3: I view preservation as a part of conservation. Um, Conservation says that we're going to conserve our our resources. The preservation says we should preserve our resources. I think that to conserve your resources, you do preserve your resources. Conservationists often will say, "Yeah, but we we are also for the wise use of our resources," and uh, preservationists just want to lock them all up. And uh, that's where the, the debate often is. Um, the 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 the, the I would say as a a person who's a bit an ardent preservationist that I've never said we should, quote, lock up all the resources of the Ujian National Forest. Rather, I've said some of the national forests should be allowed to return to the old growth condition, as some of the state forests should. and, And the rest of the public lands in the state, the state parks and fish and wildlife areas, that it's crucially important to allow a good portion of the lands to just be natural. that we have a baseline with it which we can compare our the impact of our management activities to what the forest is doing naturally and and understand uh when 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 uh uh, for example animals are declining across the forest whether it's human activity is causing it or whether that that decline is happening in the natural forest as well and there's some bigger problem um so so preservation is one of the Parts of conservation, uh, in, in most national forests, there are areas that are set aside from any management, such as logging or burning or road building, and that's what what uh, uh, the preservationist is trying to do, is, is protect those areas, whereas a conservationist is looking at a broader range of activity that is allowed, provided it doesn't uh, cause uh, you know, long-term irreparable harm to the area some conservationists think would go as far as saying that includes uh, mining for 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 coal and 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 and, and minerals um, you know others would say well that's that's degrading the forest too much there's a there's a debate about how far you go with forest uses uh, under a conservation strategy a preservation strategy is just saying we're setting areas of forest aside uh, to let nature be let nature take its course And I would argue that today in Indiana, given how little wild nature there is and how much the public needs nature uh, for for our sustenance and quality of life, that we really ought to make the primary management of our public lands be about preservation. Uh, But, the fact of the matter is, today, the vast majority of our public lands are managed through more that, that, that lens of conservation. Conservation, and so, um, I'm just saying, and others who are supporters of this bill are saying, let's have an appreciable amount of these lands set aside uh, so that people can enjoy them. We're not saying there shouldn't be logging in, in anywhere in the Hoosier. Most of the acres that are in s 2990 are actually still going to permit timber harvest on them. It's just the wilderness addition acres won't, but all of the National Recreation Area lands will.
0: Tune in next week to hear more about the Deem Wilderness and the proposal to expand its borders. To read the full article written and photographed by Stephen Higgs, visit limestonepostmagazine.com. To submit feedback to WFHB, you can email deepdive at wfhb.org. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Husky schneider in partnership with CATS Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Cade Young and Noel Husky schneider
1: Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, I'm Cade Young.
0: And I'm Noel Husky schneider Stay tuned for Cool Solutions, Climate Action from the Bottom Up, coming up next on WFHB.
1: You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio.